It's time for the weekly sports dump. And I'm your host, Joe Canale. All right, folks, we are into the NFL version of March Madness. It's wild card weekend for the NFL, six games. And to break it all down, as he's been doing most of the season for us, we have the football consigliere, pro football, Max. Max, welcome back to the show. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Happy to have you here, Max. And uh, again, we only got six games, but it's pretty great. The, the NFL has done a nice job with this, uh, stretching it out. Two games Saturday, three games Sunday, and then we get a Monday night game. So we'll be able to see all the games. Let's run through them in chronological order. We'll begin with Seattle and San Francisco, a divisional game. And an interesting tidbit about all these games. All of these games are rematches in the playoffs uh, wildcard round this year. Yes, every one of these games happened during the regular season. At least once. This one happened twice. Three half of them happened twice, really. That's right. We got a lot of divisional playoff matchups. Yeah, that is a an odd anomaly. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to say. Odd anomaly. <laughs> odd anomaly. All right. So, what do you got here for Seattle at San Francisco? A lot of yeah. people picking this as a blowout. Yeah, I um, I, I wouldn't go so far to say it's a blowout. I I do think San Francisco. All the people who think San Francisco is going to win, they they got a lot of right reasons for thinking about that. When you look at the other teams in the NFC this year, in the playoffs this year, you look at Philly, Dallas, Minnesota, the Giants, and Seattle. These are all teams that you would argue peaked early in the first half of the season or you know midway through the season. But San Francisco has been that rare team that's just gotten better and better and better over the course of the season. I mean, their defense has been ranked number one the entire second half so uh, in points per game. So they've been good there, but you know, I, I like to go look at team stats every three weeks. I do a deep dive into team stats, and I was looking at San Francisco's, my record of San Francisco. They're scoring offense every three weeks of the season, 28th, 19th, 19th, 15th, 11th, 6th. Their yards oh. gained, 24th, 18th, 12th, 10th, 7th, 5th. They're finishing as a top five offense this season, despite having three quarterbacks, despite playing a rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, at the end. They just keep getting better. And, you know, Seattle, they finished the first half winning five of six games. We all thought they might be a top 10 team, but then they opened the second half by losing five of six games. Ah. And, you know, the passing, rushing, pass defense, rush defense, they're not a top 10 team at any of these things. So, you know, they are number 12 in passing yards. San Francisco is number 20 in passing yards allowed. So I'm expecting a lot of passing from Seattle this week. But San Francisco... Is number eight in rushing yards. Seattle's number 30 in rushing yards allowed. I'm expecting a lot of Ooh. running from San Francisco. Oh, my goodness. Week. That matchup, th- that that single statistic, and I liked a lot of the ones you brought there. I like how you track the uh, the offense throughout the season. But that last statistic you gave there is is might be the telling one for how this game is going to go because, obviously, Shanahan, he can put together a run game package that is unrivaled almost in the NFL. Exactly. And and he's got this third string quarterback, which is also kind of his magic. That's kind of his his deal. He likes the shittier quarterbacks. Absolutely. And, you know, I know these teams played in week 15 and the idea is they played so recently that it's not going to be the same exact game. 
but it's hard to see how it's not going to be the same exact game. Seattle, uh, San Francisco won that game in week 15, 13 to 21. And I'm predicting the exact same score for this week. Seattle 13, San Francisco 21. All right. Uh, I said, and does that get him the cover? Cause what is the, I don't think that's a cover. I think the cover on this, according to uh, Yahoo right now, as of yesterday, it was nine and a half. So, so that that's would, the- that would be an eight point game that Ooh. would get Seattle the cover. All right. So maybe we like, I, I would like Seattle in this game cause it's a division game. Third time uh, playing. I really think for these games, we're going to see either close games or blowouts mm-hmm. like big blowouts in a couple, perhaps. But uh, the, the only hope I think Seattle has is, you know, Pete Carroll is a, a veteran coach. Maybe he's got one more little run in him and maybe, maybe the, you know, clock strikes midnight on, on Brock Purdy. Well, that's exactly veteran coach, rookie quarterback who's played less than 10 games. That's really the best chance that the Seattle has is to trick this guy into some turnovers. Yeah. But San Francisco is just such a complete team that continues to get better. It's hard to see it happening. Yeah, I think actually, and and we've seen this with a lot of teams actually, because there's been a lot of backup quarterbacks in this season. And I think in some ways, like with Dallas, when they had whoever the hell that guy was who came in. You know, he they were like four Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. I think the offensive coordinators they kind of concentrate on their game plan a little bit more because they have to, and mm-hmm. they they often get better results because they're yeah. you know they're, I, they're I putting re- more attention into it. Perhaps I recall some analysts making that exact point with Cooper Rush. He said, you know, maybe da- someone goes, maybe Dak Prescott needs to learn a little bit from Cooper Rush, and someone turned around and goes, maybe the offensive coordinator needs to call plays for Dak Prescott the way he calls plays for Cooper Rush. Absolutely, and it's very very true. Good and good offensive coordinators know that. And Kyle Shanahan is my pick for Coach of the Year this year. I know we're not doing that this week. But he is 100% my pick for coach of the year this year. I think he outshined everyone very, very quietly. And this, you know, they're going to win this week. There are a lot of good candidates this year. What happens to veteran (coughs) coaches, pardon me, me. so often I think that award goes to rookie coaches because they're coming into a new season and they're clearly overachieving. Whereas you're right, it may go unnoticed that, you know, Shanahan, people will be like, well, the 49ers were supposed to be in the playoffs. Well, they weren't supposed to have Brock Purdy as their quarterback. No, they weren't. And that's really what Jimmy G as their quarterback. Exactly. So, yes, you're right. He did do a good job, as as I think many of these coaches in the playoffs have. Although there are a couple coaches who who may not even keep their jobs if they lose this week. Let's move on. Speaking of to the Chargers at Jacksonville. This is kind of an exciting game of a couple of surfer looking quarterbacks here. The laid back chill bowl. I'm going to call this. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so funny. You know, people still think of Patrick Mahomes as a young player, and he is in theory. He's only been there six years. But these two uh, quarterbacks, this is even though they're his age and they're right there. This is the generation after Mahomes. This, These are the guys Mahomes is going to play over and over and over again in the playoffs over the course of the next 10 years. And, you know, one of them is going to go on more likely than not to play Patrick Mahomes next week. And it's going to be a fantastic matchup. The but, AFC, we, well, I'll get into it when we get down to the uh, the Cincinnati game, actually. I'll, I'll make my quarterback point. Go on. But I was going to say, you know, these two teams played week three. And week three was the week of upsets in the NFL this year. That was the week Buffalo went to Miami and lost on that late, late drive where they couldn't get the last snap off. That was the week Kansas City went to Indianapolis and lost an Indianapolis' home opener. And 
even though those were both upsets, I picked both those games. I had a lot of reasons not to rehash. Go check it out on profootballmax.com. <laughs> I picked both those games. To me, when the Los Angeles Chargers lost at home against Jacksonville in week three, it was the biggest upset of the NFL season. Went very unnoticed, but I was shocked at the 38-10 to 10 bashing that the Chargers took that week yeah. against Jacksonville. And Jacksonville is a much better team now than they were in week three. You know, when I look at the Jacksonville offense and I say, how are they going to do against the Charger defense? They're going to be very, very heavy on the run. They've rushed over 140 yards, eight different games this season, three times in the last four games, and the Chargers are 28th in the league when it comes to defending the run. When I look at how the, char- the Chargers are going to attack the Jacksonville defense, I'm going to say, you know, they're a great – look at the Chargers offense just on its own for a second. Number three in passing, number 30 in rushing. Number nine in yards, but only number 13 in scoring. There's a disconnect with this team. They don't close it out the way you necessarily need them to. And even though Jacksonville... Is that your disconnect alarm? Whenever you point out a disconnect with a team, that comes on? All right. (laughs) Exactly. And they've been consistently bad against the pass, Jacksonville. 24th in pass yards allowed, but only 12th in points allowed. Ah, They give up a lot of yards. Exactly. And... Overall, we you just talked about coaches and who may be on the hot seat and who may not. Brandon Staley, I don't, I'm not a fan. I don't think he does, but I do think he got his team to the playoffs despite a very rough injury season. And I don't think he deserves to lose his job this season. But he is probably nowhere near the coach Doug Peterson is. What Doug Peterson's done in the playoffs with underwhelming quarterbacks is very, very impressive. And now he's got a stud. Jacksonville's at home. I think it's a close game, but I see Jacksonville winning 27 to 30. All right. 30 to 27. Mm-hmm. Or however, I, I see how you're lining it up. That's very European of you to just list the score in order, having the winning team second. Uh, all right. Now, this game, I don't know. This this game might be, you know, turn offable early on, although I'm looking at what you got here. You're calling it pretty close. This is Miami and Buffalo. Now, Miami, without Tua, probably without Teddy Bridgewater, they're on their third-string quarterback, but they're not getting the favorite uh, points like San Francisco is on their third-string quarterback. Although it's the same system. We'll see. It It is. But, you know, the thing that Miami, that nobody talks about, about Miami all season long, I've been talking about it here on the Sports Dump plenty, Nobody talks about how bad Miami's defense is. You have no, mentioned that. Nobody talks about it. Finishing the twenty is the season, the 27th um, against the pass. And they did shore up their rush defense. It was bad most of the year. They finished fourth against the rush because they had some light opponents late in the season. Yeah. But 27th against the pass, 24th in points allowed. It's not that Miami, Miami still has Hill and Waddle. And Thompson can throw the ball. It's not that Miami can't score without these with Thompson in there. It's that they can't score enough to make up for how bad their defense is. So, you know, and even though Miami, like I said, they've done better against the rush. They played Buffalo twice this year. Buffalo ran for 265 yards against them. I just I don't see a way for Miami to win this game. 
I absolutely think it'll be one of those ones where Buffalo covers. I think they'll go up early and kind of coast their way through the second half. Buffalo 30, Miami 17. Yeah. This is a game where actually it might favor Miami if the weather in Buffalo is bad, just to keep it a lower scoring game and closer. But, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't see much hope in that. And I and strangely, I, I've hear, heard talk that Mike McDaniel might be on the hot seat, which I f- find ridiculous. But that Miami owner is he's liable to do anything. Well, with all the rumors about how before they went with McDaniel, how they wanted to go with Sean Payton and, and Tom Brady and Tom Brady and Sean Payton. I, We'll have to do another special. I can connect Tom Brady to seven different teams this offseason oh. with realistic connections. That's a All whole right. other podcast. We'll have a little time before the Super Bowl. Maybe we'll get into those predictions later on. True. Now, now we'll move on to my team, the New York Giants, against Minnesota. And, you know, as opposed to Miami, which has a horrible defense and can't score enough to keep up with it, I feel like Minnesota has a horrible defense but does have the offense to keep up with it. They absolutely 100% do. Um, when these two teams played in week 16, I, I didn't pay enough attention to that game. I'll be honest. I paid so a lot I, of attention to it. So uh, if you have <laughs> questions, let me know. Well, tell me if you feel I went back and looked at some of the game and some of the stats and some of the things. And tell me if you find this to be an accurate assessment of that game. New York Giants uh, passed for way more rushing yards. Uh, the pass for more yards on offense. Yep. They rush for more yards on offense. They move the ball significantly better than Minnesota. But however, the New York Giants had many more penalties in that game that took plays away from them. And they had two terrible turnovers that led to Minnesota points. And that was why Minnesota won that game. The Giants came back. Minnesota, based on that, should have been way further ahead. But they are, they were only ahead by a touchdown late. Because they did not play that well against the Giants. The Giants nope. outplayed them. People said that Minnesota won because of a long field goal and the game shouldn't have been that close. But the New York Giants should have been up a touchdown when they were going for that late tying touchdown. Yep. So I, I didn't say that all as well as I wanted to. But just looking back at the stats, <laughs> Minnesota, all right. in, in that game, they passed 48 times, only rushed 19. Yeah. The, the balance, there was no balance in that game. Jefferson and Hawkinson had 235 yards combined, right? Yeah, uh, 243. I got here. Yeah, you got it. 25 reception, 25 of 36. The rest of the team only went nine for 15. Each of those guys, 12 for 16 for Jefferson, 13 of 16 for Hawkinson, nine of 15 for the remainder of the team. 133 yards for Jefferson, 109 yards for Hawkinson, 57 for everyone else. Yeah, I mean. There was so much more balance on the New York side. I do expect more balance out of Minnesota this side, but I'm not expecting that more balance to lead to more points. I think the Giants are going to pull this one out. I see the Giants winning by one point, 24-23 on the road. I, I, you're, you're from your mouth to God's ears, but you know, I, I, I agree with everything you said there. The Giants, they don't usually turn it over like that, and those two turnovers were deadly, and a 61-yard field goal. You don't think that's going to going to be the thing to put you in but if the giants can stop jefferson you know we've watched a lot of the games together this year and and i'm always drawn to the vikings game because dave the guy who we do the i do the games with he's a vikings fan and the vikings will keep any team in it Mm -hmm. they 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 love the close games 11 and 0 and everything 
because they just don't they're not smart it reminded me a lot of nebraska over the last few years where they've got a lead and they don't play right with the lead and and they don't play you know they do play right when they're down because like in that game against the colts when they were down 33 nothing i bet mm-hmm. david dollar i texted him at that point i said vikings are going to win this thing and That's they same feeling and they and they did because they'll they they can do it if they have to but if there's any amount of comfort with the vikings they're going to just cough it up mm-hmm. so so whatever it is it's going to be a close game is my prediction and if they don't go to cook enough which is what you're saying the balance i think the giants will win if cook has over 100 yards rushing i'm calling it for the vikings mm-hmm. all right moving on to the next game Da-da-da-da-da. oh no there it is all right now we're moving on to the baltimore cincinnati game another boy the the backup quarterbacks this season we've got potentially three third string quarterbacks starting in the playoffs oh yeah Oh, yeah. And even well, if it's not, you know, their second string quarterback is no great shakes. No. Well, you know, Cincinnati, for, for all the reasons you said and more, it just seems like the obvious choice. You know, they won the game last week against Baltimore at home. They haven't lost a game since Halloween. And without Lamar Jackson in the lineup, it just it, how does Baltimore win this game? But, you know, I remember I had a high school football coach who I, I remember the game specifically. One week, the Jets went to Oakland, beat the Raiders. The next week, they went to Oakland, lost to the Raiders. And I remember saying to him, how do, how come they can win one week and can't win the next week? He goes, because in the NFL, it's really hard to beat a team twice in one season, especially when you play them back-to-back. Yeah. And when you look a little more closely at last week's game, you know, Baltimore had more yards. They had more first downs. They had better third-down conversions. They ran more plays. They really outplayed Cincinnati in the second half. Granted, Cincinnati took their foot off the gas. But why did Cincinnati, why did that game look like a blowout? Because in the first half, Baltimore gave up 21 points to two interceptions, short field for Cincinnati, and a sack fumble in the end zone that led to a touchdown. And if, you know, why did Baltimore, why was that game such a blowout? Because Baltimore made mistakes. Yeah. Mistakes you don't expect them to make again this week. So, and it's Tyler Huntley plays, even though it's not Lamar Jackson, mistakes that Tyler Huntley won't make, hopefully. Yeah. So how will these two teams attack each other? Cincinnati on offense is fifth in passing yards. Baltimore is 26th in pass yards allowed. Cincinnati's going to throw on them. There's no doubt that they held back last week. They got something on that playbook that Baltimore didn't see. They're going to score touchdowns in other ways this week. They're going to run more long drives. They're going to do what they need to do. How's Baltimore going to attack? Baltimore is second in rushing yards. But but that number comes down when Lamar Jackson doesn't play. And Cincinnati is seventh in rush yards allowed. So it's a strength. The Baltimore strength on offense is a Cincinnati strength on defense. Yeah, I do think is really in the end comes down to it's that much harder for Baltimore to win without Lamar. I think they can win this game. I just don't think they will win this game. I think it's going to be 17 to 20. You know, each team scores four times, but Baltimore with one touchdown and three field goals, Cincinnati with two touchdowns and two field goals. Uh-huh. And that's going to be the difference. 20 to 17. All right. Well, you're, you're calling this closer than a lot of people, but I, I hear what you're saying there. And I think, Again, even though I am a, a, a Cornhusker stan, Zach Taylor, I don't think he's the better coach in this matchup. Oh, it's, no. inter- it's interesting, Zach Taylor, because he there's two coaches, Zach Taylor and the Philadelphia Eagles coach. 
who when they were hired, I was like, this guy's got, you know, this might be an in-season firing with this guy. (laughs) And both of them have have, you know, really exceeded. A lot of that has to do with their quarterbacks, I think. But they have Mm -hmm. to take a little bit of credit in it. Like Zach Taylor is kind of he it's it's weird to have a head coach fly under the radar as much as he does when you've been to a Super Bowl. But well, yeah, Joe Burrow, when you Joe Burrow and then Jamar Chase, you know, they um he's been gifted with some great assets early. But I was with you, you know, Zach Taylor, not so much um, Nick Sicarian or whatever. Just that first press, that press conference was just bad. When when I look at some of the coaches that have gotten hired in the last few years, no, absolutely. he was one of the ones that I, you know, he, he went in the Cliff Kingsbury um, stage for me. Same thing with the other coach um, from the, the guy we talked about earlier from the Chargers. Yep. There was, you know, there was a lot of guys. I'm um, saying thing, Mike McDonald. It was not. I'm still not a fan of his in Miami. And I, I did. Put, okay. No, I did put Zach Taylor in that or Zach Thomas, Zach Ta- whatever his name Zach is. In that Taylor. Zach Taylor. Thomas was the old uh, yeah. Dolphin. Sorry, I did put Zach Taylor in that same category early, but you know what he's done with Joe Burrow. Joe Joe Burrow is is a top three quarterback in football right now. Um, I don't think there's a lot of debate about that. Yeah, and you know when you, it's you, Joe Burrow's great, the coach has to get him there. You know, there's a lot of great quarterbacks that True. you know bad coaching and they fall through. So well, and that's what I wanted to say. The AFC quarterbacks are nuts for the next. <laughs> five years if these guys all stay on their teams well Allen, mahomes herbert and burrow are are pretty well set where they are for a minute and now add lamar jackson and in jacksonville trevor lawrence yep exactly like that that could be your six playoff teams for the next five years now lamar might be in miami or somewhere other than baltimore if i'm lamar i'm looking at the nfc actually but i don't think i think lamar is going to get franchised so yeah probably all right, let's move to our last game, the Monday night game. A game this this seemingly has the most intrigue in a game where it's hard to root for either team if you're me. <laughs> I mean, America hates the Cowboys. I know they're called America's team, but I think that's just as much for the hate as the love. And same with Tom Brady. I can't imagine a more hated goat than Tom Brady. Yeah, no, it's greatness often polarizes people that's uh what i tell myself about myself all the time <laughs> but i like that line then i'm gonna borrow <laughs> that too whenever i make someone angry which is often greatness is polarizing that's why so many people dislike me <laughs> and if you say but, that to someone that's gonna make them even angrier <laughs> yeah but back to the game yes. the story in dallas all season has really been the defense and that's not for a lack of storylines. Dak no. has been a story first with the injury, then coming back, then some bad play here and there. The running backs have been an injury. Zeke first Pollard, who should yep. be starting? Who's the future? OBJ has been a story in Dallas. <laughs> and he wasn't even on the team. But when you really think of what's the story of the 2022 Dallas Cowboys, it's defense. It's Micah Parsons here, too. It's his run, you know, and everything. And for the first 10 games, this was one of the best passing defenses in football early in the season. In the first 10 games, opposing offenses only threw for 200 passing yards twice. However, in the next six games, every team they played has thrown for over 200 yards against them. And we're talking about Indianapolis, Houston, 
and Ooh. Tennessee with a backup. Whoa, those are three teams that should not have 200 combined yards against you. No, and two teams threw for 300 yards against them. One of them was Jacksonville, great passing offense, but the other one was Garner Minshew in Philadelphia. Ooh, damning, damning. Yeah, this second half of the season, the Dallas passing offense has just fallen off and fallen apart, and now they get to play Tom Brady. <laughs> you present a very difficult case for Dallas. I, you know, this is going to probably be Tom Brady's last game in Tampa as a Buccaneer. Tom Brady, over the course of his career, is seven and zero against the Dallas Cowboys, including Week One this year where he beat them nineteen to three. Week One last year where he beat them thirty-one to twenty-nine. Tom Brady this season is second in passing yards in Tampa Bay. He's had thrown for 40 Jesus. attempts in 13 games. He's thrown for 300 yards five times, including <laughs> 432 yards to clinch the division two yeah. weeks ago against Carolina. That was one of his greatest games. Amazing. I was so angry because I had money on Carolina. Oh, but, yeah. But the, I just, you know how you lose money? You lose money by going by betting against Tom Brady. Um, I'm picking Tampa Bay to win this game, twenty yeah. to twenty-three. You know, uh, it's amazing that uh, you know Tampa Bay all year long. People have been saying how bad they suck all year long, mm -hmm. and yet still, people for the most part are going to pick Brady in this game. I think. Yeah, and honestly, I think this is just a little bit of they got the best matchup for them. I'm not they I don't think they'd beat San Francisco. I don't think no. they'd beat Philadelphia. I don't think they'd beat um uh I don't think I don't know. They might they'd maybe beat Seattle or the Giants, but they, they got the best matchup for them yeah. in the first round. I it's just Tampa Bay. I, I hate to say it because I'm such a Jets fan and I hate Tom Brady, but I expect him to go out to a thunderous rousing applause on uh, to the people of Tampa as he gives them one last thing to cheer about before he, you know. And he gets a home game, too. Yes, of course. It's at home because they won the division. This is, you know, thank you, Tom, for three years of, you know, <laughs> playoff football and a Super Bowl. This is their chance to thank him when he gives them one last thing to cheer about. Tampa Bay wins this one. And, and just looking at this, all these games, it's possible if the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Cowboys lose – all three of those coaches could be fired and Sean Payton could be the number one candidate for, he's going to make a lot of money this year. I don't know if um, Dallas, I don't know if he's on the same hot seat that everyone else seems to think he's on, but I, I agree with you about the other ones. If, um, if the chargers lose, then they, or the Miami and their owners decides to go for it. There's actually the chargers seem a little less likely though. Um, but also, there's some ownership things. I don't know if I was going to say the, 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 and the chargers are cheaper generally, too. And, and there's some stuff with the owner. And I, I don't see him putting a big money into it now. But maybe he does in order to keep it. Apparently, his sister's coming after him for the for the control of the team. Because oh boy. Of the, it, there's don't read it. If you haven't read about it yet, don't because it's wicked and boring and probably won't go anywhere. But there's um, people rich people. Nobody hates their siblings like rich people. Oh, yeah. And, you know? This, you know, when people are watching out for your management of things, it's not the time to guarantee someone a John Gruden like contract. No. So <laughs> you're right. And that's what he would be. He would be demanding a huge contract, which is the other thing you got to yeah. consider with the team. So anyway, so I, I don't know, but we'll see how it all works out. This is my, my closing note on the playoffs, though, 
with all these predictions is <clears throat> I, I'm very proud of my regular season predictions. I, I think I had a good year this year. And I find regular season predictions a lot easier than playoff predictions because every team in the playoffs is somewhat good. Right. You know, even a team with a losing record is better than a lot of teams that in their division that they beat. So in some way, every team sees a path to victory for themselves. And often you can figure out a way if you work hard enough to find a way that every team will win a game. Yeah. However, you know, you don't really know when you're right or wrong until after the game is played, which theory prevails. And so enjoy the playoffs for being like the best of football. This has not been the best football year. There haven't been that many good teams. No. You look at instead of fighting like on top 10 teams and saying, you know, there's 13 teams that have top 10 credentials. I look at the top 10 this year and say, I can't believe three of these teams made it. Right. So we're, we're finally going to get the best football we should get. And to people who just enjoy good athleticism, good football, good sport, just, you know, do your best to enjoy the next three weeks. Absolutely. It hasn't been the best season. No, but this week of all, you know, six games, all with, you know, win or go home consequences. It's, it's about as good as it gets. You're right in the NFL. And, yeah. uh, your analysis is as good as it gets, Max. And, uh, that's why we have you here on the sports dump. We will see. Where can everybody find all your stuff? Uh, ProFootballMax.com. Click on Weekly Picks. That's where you'll find all of the, what we discussed today, as well as a few other things. And keep an eye out on some of the other links on ProFootballMax. Some new content coming. I have a call with the first sponsor next week. So. Oh, all right. Good news. And uh, we will talk to you next week as well. 